Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, Sam and I discuss a critical topic for coaches, how you lead your players. Specifically, we touch on developing plans, creating opportunities, and evaluating progress. Before we start, a quick word from Manawata. Coach, would you like to have a team full of great shooters next season? We've partnered with our friends at NOAA to bring to you the Hoops app, a free app to help your players measure the trajectory and arc of their shot. They'll get immediate feedback after every make or miss so that they can course correct and become a better shooter faster. Have your players download the Hoops app at thehoopsapp.com forward slash PGC today so that you can have a team full of better shooters next season. Welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam and Lisa with you today. And Lisa, really excited about our topic. We're going to be talking about leadership and specifically how to lead your players. You know, with PGC Coaching, Lisa, we created this blueprint with 125 different things that coaches need to be aware of. Yeah, 125. That sounds like a lot, but we broke it down into five different key categories. And the one we're, like I said, we're focused on today is leadership and then specifically leading your players. And then under leading your players, Lisa, we're going to talk about these three topics. How do you develop plans How do you create opportunity? And number three, how do you evaluate progress? One more time, develop plans, create opportunity, and evaluate progress. And I guess for coaches, as we dive into this topic, let me even rewind or zoom out for one second. Even before that, we talk about casting vision and defining roles as well, but we're not going to talk about that. That may play into our conversation, but open us up with some thoughts or a thought on, you know, this first topic of developing plans and leading our players better. This is so vital to what a coach does on a day in and day out basis. It's so much about the relationships that you're building with your players. And I think we talk about that a lot, uh, but we just, we, we had a recent guest on coach Sheely, which we, he talked about this and, and I know it from experience is just building that transparency with players and being able to tell a player where they're at. And that's what TJ says all the time as well is people just want to know where they're at when they're being led by somebody. And I think these three are the pieces to that puzzle that a coach might be missing. And it's not just about how you show up, but these are the conversations that we have around these three things can make or break players experience, which we know is, you know, there's a lot of dissatisfaction within players right now in their basketball experience. And so uh, I think we can, this is a great opportunity for us to talk about it and share it with coaches and hopefully um, serve those who can enhance what they're doing or maybe start doing a little bit more. Yeah, really good. And and so let's dive into some tangible things for developed plans. And sometimes, Lisa, when we think about developing plans, we're thinking it only through the lens of the offseason, which is an important part of a player's improvement and where they really should see massive and significant growth, but we need to have in-season plans and off-season plans. And the starting place is to do what? Is just to have a plan. I don't think many players even have a plan in-season of how do I continue to get better and out of season? What am I going to do to specifically attack the areas in my game that I need to? 
you know, and we have coaches from all levels listening to us. So if you're coaching a ninth grade high school freshman and what do they do, Lisa? Do they focus on making a strength go from good to great or do they attack their weaknesses? And I think the important piece of that is, and I always say it this way, if your weaknesses are so strong, they're preventing you from getting on court to even show your strength, then you're going to need to attack your weaknesses and really work on those. Or you don't even get to use your, you might be a great shooter. Let me back up. You might be a good shooter, but you turn over the ball with any sort of pressure, your liability on defense, you get blow by on closeouts and you don't box out very well. Well, the coach isn't going to play you and you can't even use your, your shooting ability. So that's an important discussion that I think coaches need to be hyper aware of. When you're thinking about these plans, Sam, I think coaches can go as far with it as they want. That's one thing that I've learned is you can keep it super simple. And like you said, just have an in-season plan and an off-season plan, have a discussion. And that's like the first place to start, right? And then if you want to do a little bit more, if you want to go a little bit deeper, you want to take your players to the next level, there's going to be an investment of time there from the coach. So what are you able to invest in being really realistic with that? And then it's having that conversation with the player. Where do you want to go in our program? Or, hey, in this year, and it's part, this is part of casting the vision, this is where I think we can take you. And, you know, if we can get beyond that in the first year, awesome. But here's maybe a typical plan I have for our point guards as freshmen. Here's my typical plan for our post players to get to by the end of their sophomore year. Like starting to outline those skills the intangible and tangible um, abilities and tools in their toolbox. Like how do you want them to not only play, but maybe be another voice for the coach? What is their leadership going to look like? Again, I think there's so much depth that we can take, you know, this idea of developing plans too, but I would like, you know, coaches to be aware that whatever they have time for, it's just something to one grow in your awareness, grow in your intentionality and then choose how you can invest and what your time allows. Like maybe you don't have time for off-season development except for a conversation in the beginning and conversation at the end. But if you have time for more, part of this is an experimental process as well. Yeah, and I think I think that's a nice time to, you know, continue to talk about plans as it relates to creating opportunity. So that's our second kind of topic here under, you know, leading our players. So creating opportunity, Lisa, just means as a coach, where how where can you create opportunity for your player to thrive in? Okay, so it's right now, how do I become a star in the role that I have while also knowing I can grow into a bigger role? And that's the key I think most players miss on, that is if a coach isn't playing them as much or they don't have the role they want, first – star in your role before we can even talk about you getting an advanced role. And that actually just triggered a thought over the weekend. I, I, I tweeted something that you, you DM me about and I never answered. So I'm actually going to bring it up right now. But I said, before we level up, we need to level in. Meaning a lot of players want to become a great college player before they've even become a good high school player or the college player wants to be a pro and you haven't even been an all-conference player that's made a huge impact on a winning program yet, and yet we got our eyes and targets on the future. And so my message would be, hold up, let's level in. Let's get right with 
where we're at right now and become a, a star in that role and the level that we're at. And so that's the key is sometimes we can give players too much and we need to get more specific, vague instructions or very broad instructions lead to broad results, very specific intentions, specific goals can lead to very specific results. And so as a coach, it's important that you can communicate to a player How do they win the day? How do they just win this practice, win this week and accept their role? And you're always as a coach, you're a saleswoman, you're a salesman because you have to sell that vision to that player and get them to buy in. Uh, And that's just a part of this as well. Yeah. And when it comes to identifying, you know, opportunities, I think it's just that to be for them to be clear on where their opportunities lie, because if they're only playing a couple minutes a game, they're going to be frustrated in saying that, well, you're telling me that I need to be working on this, or you've given me a plan for my development, but where's my opportunities? I only get a few minutes a game or I'm playing behind somebody else. I think that's where it's like, well, here's your opportunities in practice. Here's your opportunities on the bench. Here's your opportunities off the court to show, you know, that you're investing in on your own. Like you said, knowing where you're at and taking the next step, not five steps, but just the next step in your development and owning their role in that and showing how much they really want it. And if part of it too, in this whole process is helping players gain the perspective of where, where basketball, where their commitment is and to enjoy being a part of the team and being a part of the program, they don't have to be the star player. They don't have to be a starter even. I do think we get all in on, well, let's just evaluate basketball. You need to be the here and you're just upset about playing time. I think some of the issues that we have go so much deeper that we just need to help them along the way with that perspective so that if they're walking away from basketball at the end of their four years and you know they were part of this development plan, they're excited about their next step in their life's journey and not just discouraged that basketball didn't work work out, not just discouraged that they didn't have the senior season that they had or that they had a losing record. Like that's not where their value lies. And so I think part of all this is, is just bringing the, first of all, like you said, identifying the opportunities so they're clear and they can take advantage of those opportunities. I think they don't realize that they're being evaluated every day in practice. Like, hey, coaches really do notice when you're lazy or when you're late or when you're not giving energy or when you're forgetting plays or not focused. And then the other part of it is just helping them gain perspective and maturity along their basketball journey. Yeah. And and so with that, Lisa, so how, just again, to hammer into this for a second with coaches is, are you being very specific in how you're creating opportunities for your players across the roster, you know, if you're a high school coach listening, you'd be your varsity and your JV and your ninth grade roster of your college coach. Is there opportunities across the roster? And maybe the reality is on a, your college coach or your varsity high school coach and the 11th player on your bench, like the hard, cold truth is that they may just not gonna, they're not going to play much this year. That's a hard thing for a player to accept. But getting that player to buy into the culture and the chemistry and and so their their role 
needs to be, you need to place a new value on it, be, meaning in practice, they play a vital role in helping players get better while also they're improving. And then secondly, in games, they you need them to buy into the role of bringing great, crazy good energy to the players on the floor. And when a timeout's called, they're running out and getting high fives. And what does that require? It requires humility. It requires putting team above feelings, team above ego. That's not easy for a young person to do. It's not easy for an older person to do. And so the, the key here is what is the role of this player? Have you communicated that to them? Have you shown them where they can accept it? Have you shown them where there can be light at the end of the tunnel too if they don't have the role they want? And then so that that's one piece I want to share. The second one's a little bit of a, a soapbox one, which is I hear a lot of player. Um, you hear broadcasters do this. You hear other people in the basketball world say he's a great or she's a great role player. What does that mean? What they mean is this is a player who's not going to score a lot. They're going to just buy into their role, whether it's play 12 minutes or maybe they're a starter and they just play defense and rebound the role player or the roles matter a lot when we're talking about developing plans and developing opportunities. And so let me just say that I think everybody on great teams, everybody's a role player. As as we watch the final four on play, there's a leading score. There's somebody that the team is looking to, to be the score, the top score. Um, you know, sometimes that disparity in leading score number one and two is huge. And sometimes it's more balanced approach, but that's their role. There's, I think there's a role for everybody that's on the court for most championship programs to commit to defense and to commit to rebounding. Um, but every, my point is everybody's got a role. And so we just sometimes put role, the quote unquote role player as like, the glue guy or the glue girl. And I would just say role players and really good teams. That's everybody. Everybody knows their role and they buy into the role. Right. And part of, you know, being a role player is staying ready and preparing yourself and stretching yourself so that, you know, if somebody gets injured or somebody gets in foul trouble, that role might go from zero to a hundred real quick. And that's really hard, but I think it's a great lesson to be learned for players when they have that, because that happens in life a lot, you know? And so just helping players with that mindset, this is what I think coaches make a mistake is they have a role player or they have a limited player who's frustrated with their playing time, but their opportunity all of a sudden comes and their number's called and they're thrown in the game and they're not ready and they make mistakes and they're, they're a head case. And then you pull them out and you say, you weren't ready. Well, as a coach, did we help them, you know, from September to through October through December to get ready for that January number being called? Or had they been sitting dormant because they didn't have a, a, a plan because they felt like they weren't having opportunities? And you're sitting there like, well, you had opportunities all practice all year. And so if you can look at each player on your roster and you've identified their role and just giving them opportunities along the way to say, how are you going to stretch yourself into your next step? Some players I know, you know, when I was mentoring college players, it was, you're not going to get the same opportunities in practice or in games. So you need to come in on your own and invest. How are you doing that? When are you going to do that? You know, what does that look like in your schedule? And that was a huge step for players who wanted it. They invested outside in their own time. 
The second part of that is some players need opportunities with the starting players. So if they're number eight or nine on the bench and you can't really evaluate them, are you giving them some opportunities in practice to be with the top players? Because we all know playing with the second five is not the same as playing with the first five and you might have a huge discrepancy. And so you just have to manage that a little bit. You know, on this week, Sally's going to get a shot, you know, being the two guard with our best point guard instead of playing with, you know, the freshman point guard who needs a lot of help because that changes the dynamic in practice. And so those are the opportunities. I think we can be a little more creative and then help players understand, here's how I'm investing in you. I'm going to give you these opportunities. They might be small or they might be on your own, but they're there. That's a great point, though, Lisa, you make about, okay, you got the backup two guard who doesn't get much run with the starting point guard. And, you know, you do give them a chance, like might be once a week, it might be once every two weeks. And but you give them a run and you tell them, hey, you know, today in practice, you're going to be running with the ones. And, you know, that's a great opportunity for you. And you don't over pressurize the situation. Like hopefully they understand they come every day with an intention. But I think that's that's a good point that coaches to be aware of. But if you choose not to give Sally any minutes with the ones that you communicate, I think a lot of players are left in the dark. They're always unsure. And I take a lot of pride as a coach in communicating clearly with my players that I coach. And and I I know I've continued to grow. Like even this past weekend, I had a player that I didn't play much. I didn't feel like their effort was where it needed to be. I didn't think they were being a great teammate. And and after the game, they were visibly frustrated and showing poor body language. So, you know, I talked with them and I asked them their feelings and on it. And what they revealed to me was like, oh, okay. They communicated something to me that said something completely different than what what I think they should have or what they should feel. But that said to me, oh, Sam, you're not being as good a leader as you need to be. So I took a moment, deep breath, and shared with them, recommunicated where I thought they could, you know, provide a lot of value to the team. And quite frankly, where it would allow them to just be more successful because sometimes players, they want this certain thing, but it's like, you're not ready for that. Like you would fail and look bad. So I got to protect you. And and that sound, I'm not trying to be funny, like maybe, but I'm being serious. Like you got to protect these players sometimes. Like, no, that's, you would not look good doing that. Like you got, like I got, sometimes you got these bigs that they want to be guards and they get on the perimeter and they think they're going to rip and, you know, attack off the bounce and they're not ready for that. Um, so I think that's important. At least I, I kind of geek out on like coaching interviews. Uh, like I like watching press conferences of co- like really good coaches and just learning from them, you know, and if you, and I, you know, being in the South and football and stuff and TJ, TJ and I talk about, we enjoy like college football. Well, if you watch Nick Saban and read through the lines or even just listen the national championship gamer, they had their top two receivers go down. And so they had some, some uh, highly recruited players that were backups, Lisa, that stepped into starting roles. But I don't think Saban felt like those guys practiced like they needed to every day. They didn't take it as serious. They didn't come prepared. Uh, these are my words a little bit, but essentially summarizing what he was saying. And so in the biggest game, they weren't really ready. And so I'm sure he 
you know, he's a great coach. I'm sure along the way he kept challenging him saying, Hey, the practice habits aren't where they need to be. Well, then they didn't listen obviously. And, and maybe didn't perform up to their potential. Sometimes players got to go through those growing pains. You as a coach, you do as much as you can to articulate something. And then sometimes players have to like kind of go through the growing pains themselves as well. Yeah, Sam, I'm going to ask you a question. What would you in your ideal coaching world, if you had your players in a four-year program, what would you want your players to come and ask you? And specifically around this conversation about their development, what would it be? What would be the question you'd love them to ask you? If I'm only allowed to say one in real time answering this, so it may ask me a week from now and I can change it. But I'll say right now, I would say, coach, what can I do to help provide more value to the team? Now that that's maybe that's a, as a coach, I think we're selfish for the team. I think we is we're, we're selfish for the team, but I I've tried to shift here where I want that to be the question. I also want to think more for that individual player too. I think I, we as coaches always want a player to buy into whatever they need to do to help the team win. I also want to be cognizant and very aware of knowing that that can be true. And another thing can be true, which is what we can do to help that player be more successful in in the role that they desire. So like, Again, those aren't those don't have to be competing interests or conflicting ones. Did you have a point asking me that? Was there some somewhere you're going with it? I'd like to say that I was just uh, didn't have a little bit of something behind the question, but I of course I did. My thought is, and I, I totally agree with your question. I think part of it is can coaches identify what they're looking for from their players, what questions they love their players to ask, and then mentoring them into those questions. So you might have a freshman say. Hey, you know, you might say in a team meeting, I'd love for each one of you to be asking yourself on a regular basis, how can you provide more value to the team? And when you don't know to come and ask one of us coaches and it might not be genuine at first, but by, by their senior year, even junior year, they can be asking that on a regular basis. I think we can mentor them into that mindset, but what I would love players to ask, and this doesn't take away, there's no one question. That's what I'm saying. I think there might be a few of these that you might want to share with your players and, and to give them the grace of, hey, you might not be here yet, but this is where I'd love you to be. So it's an encouragement in, in just their maturity is, you know, what am I missing? Because so many players, they, they, don't, they don't realize their blind spots. Uh, I, had, I had one player interview everybody who's on our team retreat one year, and she asked me, a question. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Oh, it was something about describe one word to describe the team. This was not what she was looking for. And I said, naive. <laughs> and I said, and of course it was supposed to be something happy and, you know, feel good. And it was just me and her in the room. But I said, I think the team, you know, we talk about winning a championship every year, but I think we're all naive on what it actually takes on a day in and day out basis. You want something, but are you willing to do the work? And do you even know what the work is? So it's like this this gap or this blind spot. And so players, you know, into like you said, and on an individual basis or even as a team, where are our blind spots? Can we ask that question on a regular basis? What are we missing in our development? What are we missing in our mindset? What are we missing in our work ethic? What are we missing on our relationships with our teammates? And again, just it's just an opportunity. But I think in this 
you know, talk about developing plans where you're trying to take a player from A to B or A to Z. It might be, are they able to ask these hard questions of themselves? Yeah. And I know we're talking about developing plans and creating opportunity and we're spider webbing out a little bit, but I, I think it's a part, I think you're bringing up some good stuff. The question asking is a critical piece to this relationship. And, and, you know, the old school way, Lisa, is the co- the one-way conversations. Coach tells the player what to do. Player, you accept it and go do it. Like, and I was just having this conversation with my guys over the weekend. Like, I don't I don't want to get in this huddle. That we were in a post-game huddle and we had just won an OT game. And I did not like how we played. I didn't like our chemistry. I didn't like the effort. I didn't like the bench energy. None of it. Like, it just wasn't in, like – yeah. And, and so we're having, it's like trying to create this environment of like, this is a open discussion. This is a group discussion. I'm not sure players know how to do that. Like they may come from a family that's dysfunctional. They may not have a, a you know, yeah, full functioning family. And, you know, I didn't growing up. I mean, I had a great family, but communication is not easy. And so teaching our players how to communicate, like tell, I always say, play like if you go through a two hour practice and you didn't ask your coach one question, like you're not thinking the game or you lack humility, but I think here's the thing. And to be clear, coaches aren't that great at communicating. So there should be some questions. <laughs> exactly. But here's where I think I've missed. I've been saying that for a few years because I'm trying, it's tried to inspire players to think the game. And the only way to not the only, one of the ways to think the game is to ask more questions, especially if you're in a practice with a coach who's really good at what they do. Like you need to ask that coach as much as you can. You don't want the annoying, like 20 questions every 20 minutes, like, you know, but there needs to be some questions being asked. But I think where I've missed as a coach and come to realization over the last year is, Okay, I'm not teaching them how to ask questions. And so teaching our players how to ask questions and then why they need to ask questions is an important piece. And this is all, again, a part of creating opportunity. Now, let's segue into the last piece here, which is evaluating progress. Before we go, I just want to say one thing. Nobody needs to have a player ask them after every practice, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? That's really annoying. (laughs) And just being honest, right? So I think this is develops over time. This is where it's like that self-identification, that self-awareness that we're building with players so that they can ask the question and answer it as well. So just want to put that caveat into there for coaches who are like, whoa, I don't want to be bombarded with questions all the time. Um, It's part of what we're saying is it's just that it's a relationship and there's a give and take in our team environment. And it's part of their development is to think for themselves. You know, we talk about it and just human development. Don't just bring me problems. Also bring me solutions. And so players have they know the solutions. Right. So we're doing both. We're helping them with both sides of that question and answer um, situation. Well, if you if you've coached long enough and you're listening We've all had the player or players who do that. They come up every practice and their intentions are, are well-meaning, but like, I think the right thing to do, if you're going to have the, the end of practice question asker like that, that's a category, like you need to teach them. Okay. They're they've came two straight days on day. Number three, when they come to me, they need to come to me. Don't ask me a question. They need to give me an evaluation of how they executed on the very things we talked about on day two. Like, 
Lisa, I co- I'm coaching you, Lisa, and you, you come to me and say, hey, coach, today, I know you said you wanted me to, you know, be better on help side defense and communicate and see ball and man, you know, well, then when you come up, don't ask me. Just tell me how you did in that. And then we just have like a reaffirming. So now that's a part of going, you know, segueing back to the evaluate progress. So I, I break it down like this, Lisa, is in evaluating progress, I think there's a healthy way to do it as coaches. Getting players to know how to self-evaluate, which I just kind of alluded to, getting them to have some peer evaluation on progress. And then ultimately the third one is coach evaluation. So that's, you know, how do we evaluate and what gets measured gets improved. A quote we use a lot of times at PGC, what gets those the things that get measured get improved. So if you have a kid going in and shooting 200 shots every day and they just shoot their 200 and they walk out, that looks different to the other kid who they shoot 200 shots, but they shoot 10 segments of 20 shots. And after every 20 shots, they run to the baseline and they write in their notebook how many they made and they evaluate, I think player number two will improve at a much faster rate just because they're more aware of everything we're talking about. They actually have an awareness of what they're working on and are how they're doing with it. We always have to teach players the long game. I mean, we talk about it so much that we want quick results. And so that player who's willing to write, write it down, I think – hopefully sees that this is an investment. This is a process is going to take time. And I think we all know that anything great takes time. And so not only does this development and what they're measuring take time to see the improvement and we're mentoring through them through that. Again, I don't think sports teaches life lessons. I think coaches teach life lessons through the sports. And so as coaches, we have to be mentoring them through this process and with this, like they're not going to get it right the first time, especially if you're bringing something new into the program, there can be a lack of patience by the coach to say, okay, well, I listened to this or I'm in the off season. I had all these great ideas. I threw them in there in October and November and none of them are working. Well, not only is it going to take the length of the season potentially for you to reap the rewards, it might take the length of a couple of seasons for you to really see the fruits of your labor in putting this process in place and being willing to help them evaluate themselves, evaluate each other and your own evaluation of them and how you deliver that is all just part of the journey in coaching, which makes it so awesome. And and I think we just have to be willing to play the long game. And with, with where we're at in 2022 with analytics, like we have everything at our disposal to even do a better job than ever at truly evaluating individual player progress. And so whether you're, we're talking shooting, weight room, ball handling, finishing, any of these offensive things, there's ways we can flip it to the defensive side. So there's real ways that it already exists. But also if you're the youth coach or the middle school coach, just getting your kids to learn how to finish with their left hand or their weak hand at the rim, as simple as create a drill where they shoot 10 layups um, and, and you measure how many they make out of 10 layups and you do it in before practice or the very first practice you do it, maybe do it every practice, but you measure it throughout the year. And so they were, you know, what, what'll happen Lisa and having coached this level over the last few years, they, most kids don't even shoot it with their weekend. Even when you get in practice and you say, Hey, we're going to shoot with our left hand. They, they go in there and they shoot either two handed or with their dominant hand. So like, just that's a win to get them going. And so 
You can create a drill. You can pull one off YouTube. You can join PGC Coaching. We got them all over the place in there. And, and just how to measure that. But there's too much at our disposal as a coach. If we're not evaluating progress, we we're not caring as much. Then we're being lazy. We're we're not. They're they're out. The answers are out there for us coaches. And then my last piece on that would be also facts over feelings. I know I've said that before, but sometimes it feels worse as a coach than it really is. And for a player too, the player will miss some shots. Like I can't shoot. Well, let's get to the facts. Now the facts are you, you, you went one for five this game. You went one for four the last game, but you're shooting your numbers in practice. You're shooting really well. You're a 41% three point shooter. So like getting kids and players to know what the facts are and look at the facts and use that as their barometer and their measurement. Yeah. I think my last piece on this is to start small. And there's two, two ways that this came to mind while you were talking is one, I was briefly helping out a high school program when we were uh, starting to evaluate shooting and progress and tracking our shots and of course, there's a player who doesn't make any, who makes only one out of 25 or a couple. And, the, you know, they're almost in tears by the time they're finishing the drill. And as a coach, you just feel awful. Like, am I doing the right thing? Did I set them up for failure? And think, you know, part of that is we could have started closer. We could have, you know, set her up for more success. We could have started with layups. And so that you get a couple easy wins to start with. That could be one way to do it. It also could be, you know, just be encouraged with the fact that here's an opportunity to have a conversation where you don't have to have a kid who thinks they're a good shooter when they don't realize their percentage, you know, they're just making one shot every once in a while and thinking that's good enough. You know, now it's like life face the facts. Here's where you are, but here's where I believe we can take you. And I think that's okay. Like being willing to have that hard conversation, be willing to fail, right. We have to let them fail sometimes. Sorry. Let let me ask you a question. So you, I want to double down on what you said on like, small wins like eat the elephant in one bite sometimes we try to like make it too big but my question for you is that very thing you just said i I love it because i I was having this conversation with one of our bcb girls coaches and we do like a green light shooting system and measure shots and the the coach i don't know if they'll listen to this i'm not gonna say his name but he said and he coaches girls basketball but he said um like, cause we share, like with our guys, they share their numbers in a group chat. And he was like, Oh, we can't do that with girls. Like there'll be embarrassment and shame and guilt. And so like, we have to be more cautious of that. And I thought to my, at first I was like, really? Like we can't even, we can't be honest or we can't like, there's going to be that much shame. So I, I could go two ways. Like, you know, I have a daughter, like, of course, you don't you're not trying to shame them, but then there it, it could really create a coaching and teachable moment, because if we're that fragile, Lisa, that we can't put our shooting numbers in there. And, and again, that's where I want you to be honest with me. Is, is it am I being too tough or old school and saying, are we that fragile that we can't put it in there? Or is there a piece that? No, we need to learn to create a safe environment where a girl could shoot one for 25 another girl could shoot 20 for 25 and the girl one for 25 doesn't need to feel small. She needs to say, Oh, wow. 
I could get to 20 for 25 if I just keep working. Where, where do you land on that? Because it sounded like you, you could go both ways. Yeah, I definitely could. It totally depends on your team, your coach, your relationship with those players who are at the bottom and what they need. You know, like their their step in their confidence, their step in in their self-esteem, it might not be ready for a group share. You know, because I wouldn't say that in my example, there was no part of me that was going to announce everybody's numbers to the whole team. But I think that can be something you implement you know at St. Mary's we would put a chart in the in the locker room of their shots so they could see themselves but also see their teammates that's obviously an older group of of women that can handle that and we had an environment that was right to do it it might just be baby steps so I'm not saying you're wrong but there might be a different way that a coach would want to go about creating that safe environment and I think it's going to be obvious to everybody on the team potentially you know if they're doing these things on their own and then having to report back, uh, that's different than if you do it in a team environment, everybody knows who's at the bottom. But you, I think you constantly have to tell the player to say, hey, where you start isn't where you finish. Again, this isn't who you are. Your number is not who you are and why we value you. But, you know, as a team, we're all searching just to compete against ourselves. There's so much great messaging you can have with it. So there is a fragility that we need to be mindful of how and when and all of that is is really important. And so. I think just depends on where you're at as a coach, what you're ready for, what you have, what you're able to invest into in that relationship with those players who do need a little extra. Yeah, this is a fun conversation, Lisa. I mean, to recap it, you know, we're talking about leadership. We're talking about leading our players and specifically developing plans, coaches, create an opportunity within those plans for the now and the later. And then thirdly, how you evaluate the, the progress as they try to live out or as your players try to live out and go execute on the plans. And Lisa, one thing that kind of either reminded or maybe um, new learning for me, as we're talking about leadership, you know, it's so closely tied into that is culture, the culture of your team, the cult, you know, which is the relationships, the coach player relationships, the culture of creating safe places to fail, shared vulnerability, like healthy competition, like that's that those go hand in hand. They're kind of cousins in leadership and culture. So that, that was revealed to me in this conversation. Um, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, just two quick ones in that with this coaches can be creative. And I, and I do believe in, in the starting small, even for you as a coach, I know a lot of coaches are not full-time coaches and what they do for in coaching and, and for their players is, you know, out of their free time and their, it's generous heart that you're giving. And so when you, we talk about all these things, coaches can do more and, and invest more very conscious of what time that might, you might be sacrificing as a coach. And so starting small is okay. And being creative in your solutions. You know, if you want to evaluate players, maybe you use your staff and rotate every week you're evaluating three or two players. And that's a great place to start is what you can handle, what you can commit to so that, you know, you don't start with something the first few weeks of your season and then have to squash it because it's too much. Whatever coaches are doing to take their next step in this is an awesome and positive opportunity to, you know, impact their players. Yeah. And, you know, coaches, players, parents, leaders out there listening to this, Hit us up on social media. We we truly, truly do love hearing from you, getting feedback. 
you know, Lisa, I know how much it fills my cup. I think for you too, when you hear from a coach who's like, Hey, I, I listened to that show and I, I actually, we listened to it as a team uh, or, or a small segment of it. And uh, you know, that just encourages us. It inspires us to want to continue to pour in and, and, you know, share this for coaches. That's what we want to do. We want to grow the game. We want to grow players. We want to grow coaches. So we love hearing from you. If you're listening to this and uh, that is Lisa, I am Sam and we are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We want to bring you quality content and journey with you. Don't forget to stay up to date with us on social media by following at hardwood underscore hustle. Until next time, thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.